Thank you very, very much for having me up. I wish I had time to tell you a few Pastor Dave stories. Uh, that's going to have to wait to another time. We had great privilege of knowing uh, the Wajniki family for decades, and uh, Dave's been a, uh, just a, a blessing to be around. Um, during my preparation, I remember reading about a, a Chinese woman applying to Wycliffe's Summer Institute for Linguistics that's in Dallas, Texas. She applied, was going to work on a master's degree in linguistics. The problem was she didn't have any money. But she sent in her application anyway. The, the director got the application, wanted this woman to come over and help with the translation uh, work, but uh, without money, he decided to go to a, a businessman and say, listen, can you help raise some funds for her? Well, he simply looked at the director and said, well, why don't we just pray and, and ask God to give it in his time? The director was a little disappointed, thought the guy would want to write a check. But uh, he said, okay, how do you argue with that? Well, the next day, the businessman met with a, with a resourced Christian woman and said, um, you know, Lord, it would be great if she could just help with this way, but I'm just going to wait on you. And so he had lunch with her, and nothing came up about the ministry, nothing at all. So he didn't say anything to her. I'm just going to trust you, Lord. The next day, he's flying in a small plane from Oklahoma to California, the plane develops trouble, and they have to make an emergency landing in Colorado. Uh, he has some friends, have a cabin there. He calls them. My plane is, ha, has uh, some problems. Can you come pick me up and let me stay with you for a, a little while? And so they came down and picked him up, and they got him settled. And as they're gabbing, the, the cabin owner says to him, you know, I've been thinking about Wycliffe Bible translators. And if you happen to hear about a one of the nationals who wants to get involved in this, this project, uh, I'd like to invest in uh, that person's education. Well, the businessman started laughing and told him, let me tell you this story about this Chinese woman. By the time the story is over, he has his checkbook out and he funds, writes a check, her entire tuition was paid. Isn't that a great story? Man, I love those stories. Just absolutely love those stories. I, I, when I heard it, I started thinking, why don't they happen to me? Well, is, is my faith too small? Is my faith too weak? And, and the whole story started me thinking about my faith and, and, and who I am and what I believe and all these great things. And it led me to a passage of Scripture, I think maybe one of the best in the Bible, that talks about faith and, and, and especially how it relates in an everyday setting. Not how it works in the miraculous and the spectacular, but in the, in the everyday world of work, uh, of relationships at home, at times at school with classmates. What is this faith all about? And during our time together this morning, I just want to share some thoughts that, that I've learned from that text of Scripture. So let's take a look at it together. Open your Bibles, please. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to talk about this whole subject of living by faith. Here's the historic context. Uh, the writer of this letter, writing to a group of people who were going through trouble, they were being terribly persecuted simply for being followers of Jesus. And, and the writer writes to encourage them and to exhort them. He wants them to keep going with the Lord and not turn away because of all the hassles, all the troubles, all the difficulties. This is too hard. He didn't want them to, to fall back. 
He wanted them to hold fast. And that's what we read throughout this letter, and especially at the end of chapter 10. Let me set this context with you. See it with me? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. This sets our context, and then we'll launch us into our study. We read verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Now, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It might be a little different than the New International if you use that up here. But the idea comes through. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I and we together should live each day to do the will of God. Not our own will, not our world's will, but God's will. And the reason why we should do that, verse 37, for yet in a little while, very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. The writer simply said, Jesus is coming back. And when he does, he will reward you and me and us for the way that we have lived while we're here on this earth. If you believe it, say amen. Jesus is coming back. And and he will reward us if we do his will. That's the context of all of this. And we're to live by faith. No matter what happens, good, bad, or ugly, no matter what happens. And that's the way it always has been with believers. Verse 38. But my righteous one shall live by faith. So every day, believers are called to take some steps. Steps of faith to do what God has told them to do. Pretty straightforward. If we don't, the warning, verse 38, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. I'm not pleased with you. Now, that doesn't mean that a person is going to lose their salvation. The whole context of this is those rewards. If we do the will of God, we'll be rewarded. If we don't, when Jesus comes back, you get this image? We'll shrink back at his return. All those rewards that we could have had, we don't have. But the author here, he's really confident that these folks are going to endure, that these folks are going to hang in there, that they're going to hold fast. Verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction. That's not you. Or you, or you, or you, or you. You don't shrink back. Verse 39, we are of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. We believe, we trust, we have faith. We're saved from the penalty of sin, from the wrath to come. Our future is secure. Our rewards will be awaiting us. And all of the efforts and all of the energies that we have put forth to minister by faith. The Lord Jesus, he'll reward us when he comes back. That's the context of all of this. With that stated, the question that has to be asked, okay, I get it that we're supposed to live by faith. What does that mean? Practically, what does that mean? What's What's he saying to you and me and us in this text about faith? Well, in chapter 11, he's going to simply rattle off a list of names, people, women and men, 
who have lived by faith. And they're going to illustrate for us this critical. How do we do this practically? And, and, and I hope it will be an encouragement to you as it was to me. So let's dig into our text now and begin our study first by looking at a biblical definition. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, now, based on everything of those rewards and everything at the end of chapter 10, now, faith. Let's stop right there. We use the word faith a lot. If somebody asked you, how would you define faith? What would you say? Faith is, is a good question over coffee. Because we use the word faith a lot, especially in Christian circles. Our culture uses it a lot. And, and people define faith in a number of different ways. Some people define it just kind of a hoping for what's best or a general optimism. I have faith that the Padres are going to win the World Series this year. Okay? And that's the way they do it. It's kind of a hope, a dream, if you will, you know. Uh, well, people use them a lot. I'm optimistic about it. The Bible uses it a little differently. In theological circles, most people think that faith simply means the affirmation of some kind of a teaching. Now, that's the way it's used in our culture. You talk with a lot of people. You believe in God? Yeah, of course I believe in God. I believe in a supreme being. I'm a spiritual person. I have faith. Well, is that all there is? Is faith simply an affirmation of a teaching? I mean, we know that the demons believe in God. Do they have faith? In, the, in this study of Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to see really clearly that, that there's more to faith than just an affirmation of a teaching or a doctrine, a theological position. If I, if I had to give you the best definition I can of faith, it's simply this. It's believing God's revelation to the point of a response. Maybe I could put it this way, as the principle does on your outline. It's taking God at his word and then acting accordingly. So there's two parts of it. There's an affirmation of what's true, but there's also a response to it. That's what faith is. And I want to give you the visual illustration that helped me of this wheelbarrow. Did any of you notice it up here? This is my old wheelbarrow out of my backyard. I've done all kinds of things. Had this for decades. I've pushed my grandkids around in it now and all of the above. Uh, there's an old illustration about a trapeze artist standing at the top of a wire to circus people down below. And the trapeze artist yells down at him, Do you believe I can walk across this wire? And everybody yells, Yes, we believe. He said, you honestly believe I can get from this end to that end without falling to my death? Yes, we have faith in you. And then he takes out a wheelbarrow with a special attachment on the front that hooks to that wire. He says, if you believe me, come up and get in the wheelbarrow. We don't believe you that much. Faith. Believing. Responding. A biblical definition is always going to include the affirmation and a response to it. What is faith? Faith is God saying to you and me and us, get in the wheelbarrow. And what do we do? 
We get in. So, did you come to hear from the Lord this morning? You didn't come to hear from me, did you? Did you come to hear from the Lord this morning? You know what he's saying to you and me and us? Get in the wilderness. That's what faith is. Theologian Elton Trueblood said it really, really well in this quote. Faith is not belief without proof. It's trust without reservation. It's getting in the wheelbarrow. And I don't know what you've got going on in your life. I don't know you at all. But I, I know this. I need to take some steps of faith today and every day this week that says, I'm in this wheelbarrow, Lord. I'm going to take what you say, and I'm going to respond to it accordingly. I'm going to put it into practice. We're all called to do that. Now, with the definition stated, let's look secondly at some of the characteristics then, because that's where the author goes next. Verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's not an exhaustive description, but gives some parameters of what faith is all about. Faith impacts us and gives us first, verse 1, assurance, the assurance of things hoped for. Um, the, the, the word, um, it gives us a certainty. The NIV translates the word as being sure. The original word, hypostasis, it's a Greek word that literally translates to stand under. Um, right now, you are all expressing faith in your chair. That chair will stand under you. It'll hold you up. It'll support you. You are confident of that. Because if you were not confident of that, you never would have sat down in that chair. Faith gives you the assurance to sit down. That's what it is. It's what undergirds. And and according to the scripture, this faith gives us assurance. Not just a wish, but a rock-solid conviction that that, that moves us. that, That tells us, God will come through. God will come through. Ben Stein said it, I think, rightly this way. Uh, faith is not only believing God can, it's knowing that he will. I know God can come through, but what faith says to me, he's going to. I know that all things will work together for good. I know that. So even in the worst of circumstances, and we, we can go right out and say, that, that that's terrible, that's horrible. But I know that God can use the terrible and horrible to accomplish something good, that the phoenix can fly out of the ashes, that, that there are some silver linings. I'm sure of that. I'm absolutely sure that when Jesus comes back, he's going to hand out rewards to you and you and you and you for the way that you live. Faith stands under us, and it moves us. Assurance. Verse 1. 
I got to get in. What does faith tell me? This wheelbarrow will hold me. It'll stand under me. I can put my full weight in this. And that's the decision that you and I and we have to make this afternoon. It gives assurance. Secondly, verse 1, it gives conviction. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We make our decisions based upon what we see. It's the way that we live. Faith then takes it a little different direction and gives me that same absolute certainty about the things that I can't see. I can't see Abba. I can't see God the Father. And yet I am absolutely convinced that he loves me and you and us no matter what. No matter what. And that he has a good plan. Good plan for my life and your life. Convinced of it. In the Christian church, we have a lot of beliefs, but not enough convictions. And that's what faith calls us to do. But this is precisely where you and I and we tend to struggle each and every day. And we develop, I affectionately call it, stinking thinking. Stinking thinking gets me. And it says to me, this wheelbarrow, it won't hold you. Don't get in that thing. That makes no sense. It won't, it won't hold you up. You, you're crazy if you get in that thing. And as a result, we spend a lot of our Christian life like this. Half in and half out. And that stinking thing jumps in. And so, again, I don't know what you've got going on. But at some point in time, you've got to take some step of faith. And that's what he's saying to you and me and us. Get all in. It'll hold you. Whatever that decision you've got to make, you've got to get all in. The definition, clear. There are parameters, characteristics to it. And then the writer goes on to talk about, if we do this, there's heavenly approval. Verse 2. Talking about this faith, he says, For by it the men of old, the ancients, gained approval. The ancients, they're, they're the women and men that are mentioned throughout chapter 11 here. They, they were commended by God because they didn't let stinking thinking keep them out of the wheelbarrow. They got all in. They responded. And they're far from perfect people. There are drunks in this chapter. There are adulterers. There are murderers. There are prostitutes. They're far from perfect people. One thing they have in common. They heard God say, do this. And what did they do? They did it. And it's some of the craziest stuff you've ever heard in your entire life. But they did it. They got in completely. That's what faith does. And when they did, they gained God's approval. He, he commended them. These are good folks because they're doing what I've told them to do. And it really leads us to this key principle that I, that I want to emphasize here. When we want to please God more than people, we'll walk by faith and not by sight. But when we get that thing mixed up, 
and we want to please people more than pleasing God, then we walk by sight and not by faith. Because there's a lot of things in life that God tells us to do that don't make complete sense. And yet he says, do you believe me? Then get in the wheelbarrow. So let me ask you, press that rewind button from this last week. Did you gain heavenly approval? Did you get all in? Or did you do the half and half? Maybe a little bit of both. The the Word of God simply tells us, do it my way, and rewards will come. That's what he promises. It'll please God above all else. And so after the definition and some characteristics, and he says, you live this way, I'll I'll, I'll commend you for it. He gives a a whopper of an illustration, verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So rather than start to listen to some of the names, he goes back to the beginning and he talks about creation and the impact of faith on creation. And verse 3 just tells us clearly, the universe, with all of its laws and all of its principles, space and time, they were formed by the word of God. That's what it says. God said, Genesis 1-3, let there be light, and there was light. Now, how do we know that's true? You can't reproduce it, this creation ex nihilo, this creation out of nothing. You can't reproduce it. So how do we know that that's true? By faith. God says, this is the way I did it. You kind of look around and you kind of go, oh, how does that work, God? I'm going to put my full weight on this. doesn't mean we don't practice scientific methodology. doesn't mean we don't look at proof. doesn't mean we don't search the, the skies and the universe. It means we do all of that. But at some point in time, we're just going to have to come to that place where we go, okay, God, I'm going to take you at your word. Because it means everything to us, doesn't it? That there's a purpose, that there's a designer. It means that you and I and we are not mistakes. That there's purpose and there's calling to your life, to my life, to our lives. Today there's a purpose. Today there's a plan. And you and I and we, we just have to decide whether we're going to line ourselves up with God's plan or with our own plan or somebody else's plan. And you wouldn't be here this morning if you weren't interested in God's plan. Well, his word to us is, get all in with my plan. Get all in. And if we do, it'll make God really happy and rewards will come. And that's the way it's been from the very beginning of time. And thus, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. When, when Pastor Dave comes back, he's going to teach you all about Cain and Abel. Suffice to say, Abel lived by faith. God said, offer this kind of a sacrifice, Abel did. 
God said to Cain, offer this kind of sacrifice. Cain said, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Abel got into the wheelbarrow. Cain didn't. Abel's decision, verse 4, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. God said to you and me and us about Abel, when you think about his life, he did it the right way, so copy him. Copy him. Don't copy Cain, who didn't get in the wheelbarrow, because that leads to murder. Do, do it, because that's the way it works. He did the same thing that the Old Testament character Enoch, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. Enoch, one of two men who never died. Uh, Enoch was one who was the other. Swing low, sweet chariot, Elijah the prophet, taken up in the whirlwind. God just took him. Verse 5, he was, he was not found because God took him up, just took him away. Why? Verse 5, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. So God says to Enoch, get in the wheelbarrow. What does Enoch do? He got in the wheelbarrow. And as a result, his life, very, very pleasing to God. And that's the principle, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's not just hard, not just complicated. It's impossible, absolutely impossible, if we don't take God at his word and act accordingly. If we do, then our lives are very, very pleasing to him. And I would venture to guess that most all of us in the auditorium uh, here, this sanctuary this morning, that you really want to please God, or else you wouldn't be here. I just want to tell you, keep going. We, we all stumble. We all fail. We have ups and downs, part of being alive. I just want to tell you, if you're, if you're all in that wheelbarrow, and so many of you are, I just want to tell you, keep going. Just keep going. You, what you are doing, very, very pleasing to him. But if you're not, it's not too late. You're not a, you haven't been, and you know, not, not fooling anybody. If you haven't been, not too late. You just have a decision to make. And it starts with saying, hey, I'm struggling. I'm messed up royally with this. I'm really sorry. Forgive me, Lord. And then I want to I get all in. Anybody this morning? Lord, I want to be all in with you. I don't want to play at this Christianity. I want to be all in. We've got to make this decision. Say, Pastor, I want to do this. What do I do? Verse 6. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. You've got to come to him. He's already come to you, me, to us. No, we have to come to him. 
Let, let me, uh, can I give this, I'll give this challenge to everybody, but especially to you men. It's one of the most fundamental things for men to grow. You have to reject passivity. Do you understand that? You can't be passive. You have to make up your mind. Listen, listen. nobody drifts closer to God. They drift away from God. We see over and over and over again. And so at some point in time, you and me and all of us together, we, we just have to make our, uh, up our minds. We believe this, then I'm going to actively seek out. I'm going to pursue this. The church is filled with too many people with beliefs and not enough convictions. I've got a conviction. This is what I'm going to do as an employer, as an employee, as a spouse. This is what I'm going to do as a student. And if I seek him, verse 6 says he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So if you reject passivity and you say, I've had enough of this, and you get all in, it'll work out best for you. So, I don't know what you have to do. I'm, I'm wondering if anybody here needs to forgive somebody. That's one of the biggies. We hang on to forgiveness. doesn't mean you're going to like that person. doesn't mean you're going to be emotionally close to that person. does not mean you're going to trust that person. It just means you're going to forgive that person. Then you've got to work through all the emotions of that. That takes a long time. But God said, forgive just as you've been forgiven. Well, you students have to decide whether you're going to cheat on those tests or not. Um, we have to decide whether we're going to use profanity or not. It seems like profanity has become just such a common. You know. What am I going to do? Am I going to put my phone away this afternoon and talk to my family? I don't know. Am I going to tell the truth in a sales meeting? I know what my product can do. I know what it can't do. And so many of you, you're, you're all in and you're doing this. Keep going. But if you haven't been, decision. It all just starts with this first step. And I'll leave you with this Chinese proverb. To get through the hardest journey, we need only take one step at a time. That's a walk of faith, but what we have to do is we just have to keep stepping. And that's a decision. What kind of a woman will I be? A woman of faith? And I'm going to try my best today to take God at his word. And I'm just going to keep walking. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a student. I want to be a young man, young woman, whatever. I want to be a grandma or grandpa. I want to be a great-grandpa that really walks with God.
Pastor, how do, we, how do I know it'll work out best for me? The answer is simple. Jesus got in the wheelbarrow for you and me, didn't he? He was all in. That he would go to the cross, pay a penalty that he didn't know, with the assurance that God's plan would work out best. Three days later, he rose from the dead and is alive today. And he's calling you and me and us. Come on, follow me. Come on, follow me. I promise it'll work out best. This will hold you up. Come on. So if you've got a decision to make, hope you will. Just don't, don't put it off. And then we get to put it into practice. And that's what we're reminded of when we take communion together. Jesus got it all in the wheelbarrow. And then he calls us to simply follow him. Okay. All right, let's pray. All right, everybody take a deep breath together, will you? Some decision you need to make. Lord, I'm sorry. I want to get all in. Anybody for the very first time, Jesus, save me, please. I need your grace. I need your gospel. I need your forgiveness. Jesus, save me. I'm so sorry. I've messed this up. Forgive me. Come into my heart and save me. I'm going to follow you. Anybody this morning? He's listening, so you decide as he calls. So thank you, Father. Oh, thank you for saving me. Holy cow. Thank you for saving us and sending your son. And, and I pray that you would help me live in the wheelbarrow, help my sisters and brothers in Christ, Valley Center Community Church, live in the, in the wheelbarrow especially as decisions are made about the future and building and all these things. Help us. We'll speak to your people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.